everybody, and welcome to another episode of the podcast from Another World. And this episode is a very special one because it's time for Dave and I to have a little conversation together about Vincent Price. That's right. So in this episode, we are talking about the Tingler. And rather than go into a bunch of things, I'm going to let the episode just play. Hope you guys enjoy it. Anchorage from Polar Expedition 6. Anchorage from Polar Expedition 6. Can you hear me? Over. Had I mentioned these other solar systems, merely to indicate that life can and does exist on other planets as well as our own. Sounds like, well, just as though you're describing some form of super carrot. That's nearly right, Mr. Scott. This carrot, as you call it, constructed an aircraft capable of flying some millions of miles through space. The world's greatest battles was fought and won today by the human race. Soldiers and civilians met the first invasion from another planet. And now, before giving you the details of the battle, I bring you a warning. Every one of you listening to my voice, tell the world, tell this to everybody wherever they are. Watch the sky. Welcome to another episode of The Podcast from Another World. I am your host, Phantom Dark Dave. Today we gather to celebrate the birthday, or close to the birthday, of one of the greatest horror icons of all time, Vincent Price. And when I say we, I'm referring to you, the listeners, me, the host, and my partner in crime for everything Vincent Price related. He is the host of the Terrible Terror podcast, Brian. Why, hello. I thought you were going to say uh, me, not the listeners. <laughs> I'm speaking <laughs> of you, Brian. <laughs> oh, man. So what's up? How's it going? And, and what's going on on the Terrible Terror podcast? Oh, you know, it's the same old, same old. Another bad horror franchise, another day. Um, you know, we just did the whole thing with the Mortal Kombat and the fighting movies and all that other stuff. And it's funny because I actually ended up watching Tekken the other day and I'd never seen that before because it was on Tubi and it was auto-playing after watching Sweeney Todd. So I was, it was weird. Yeah, I was like, why is this suggested? Why is it going to play next? Oh, well. And then it has, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy plays Shang Tsung as uh, Heihachi Mishima. I was like, that's perfect. Huh. It works. Movie is terrible, terrible, terrible. But, you know, that's the way it is. That's, that's what I enjoy. And you should know a lot of the goings on. You're a part of the channel. This is coming I on know. the same feed. This is for the listeners, just in case. Yeah, that's right. Nobody likes me. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, 
for anyone who is new to the show or has never heard you and I gush over Vincent Price, allow us to fill you guys in on, on what you've been missing. So a couple of years ago, I invited Brian to be a guest on Dave's pop culture podcast and celebrate Vincent Price's birthday. And what we did is we each chose a movie and we didn't tell each other what it was. And so we brought the movies to the table and we kind of listened to each other's opinion and went back and forth. And so Brian, I'm going to let you start by telling everybody about the movie or <clears throat> movies. Yeah. You so yeah, I started watching one cause there was a suggestion from somebody that listens to the terrible terror. And he was like, Hey, you like Vincent price. Have you ever seen these movies? Well, one of them, which was Dr. Goldfoot and his bikini machine. Um, it is that is like perfect camp, man. I I freaking love that movie. Uh, it's hilarious. It's both you know it's that perfect like late sixties spy knockoff type of thing that's going on. Uh, it even stars uh, what's his name? God damn it! Why can't I remember his name? Yeah, god damn it! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Frankie, Frank. Frank. Uh, what's his name? Be- I don't, didn't he used to do Sonic commercials? Uh, I don't think he used to do Sonic, but he was always with uh, Annette Funichet. Yeah, I challenge you. I think he did Sonic commercials at one time. He, he might have done them. But, yeah, so he was in it as a bumbling agent going after Dr. Goldfoot. And then I like that so much. I'm like, I got to see what the next one is, which is Dr. Goldfoot and the bikini. Oh, the sorry, the girl bombs. That's what the second one was. And the girl bombs is not as good. It mm-hmm. it It's not as good, no. If you're going to watch one of them, Watch the bikini machine. Plus, it's got that great like theme song, Doctor Goldfoot and his bikini machine. <laughs> kind of rides the waves of like Get Smart and 007. In a yeah, way. which which one is the one that involves going to heaven? <laughs> going to heaven. Remember the guy dies and he. One. I think so. Yeah, that <laughs> is, that's definitely the girl bombs. <laughs> that one. He they like he dies in the the. Um, what you call it area the like there's like a carnival type of thing and that's where he dies and he flies up and then he gets like sucked in by a plane or some shit can't remember what exactly happened to him but he's like going to heaven i'm like what the fuck is this and they also reused a bunch of footage from the first film in certain spots and like it was a completely different production too if i remember correctly so it's it's interesting uh, if you really want to be like a Dr. Cold, Goldfoot <laughs> completionist, I, I don't know why I can't. We were talking fine before this goddamn podcast started. Now I can't say shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you want to be a Dr. Goldfoot uh, completionist, then watch The Girl Bombs. Otherwise, just stay with Bikini Machine. But it's a movie that I'd never seen from Vincent Price, and that was the reason why I didn't want to watch it. I was like hey, here's this movie. It's like, I know that in like the 60s and 70s, he did a lot of camp, like a lot of campy stuff. And this is probably the the biggest highlight of his whole career. Like for me, like that's in that era of Vincent Price. I think this is like my favorite film. This as in Dr. Goldfoot, this as in the movie we're talking about today. No, no, this is in Dr. Goldfoot. I'm talking about that that time frame. No, no. Okay. During this this time frame of the movie that we're going to be talking about today, there's actually another film by William Hardcastle that I like a lot more. William Hardcastle? Is that am I or is it just William Castle? Sorry. This is William I, Castle, bro. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I want to say Hardcastle. I think that's because there's this animator I follow called Lee Hardcastle. 
Okay. And I love the guy's stuff. He does all this cool claymation stuff, and it's always super, super violent. And he takes a little bit of cue from some of the, the William Castle stuff. That's but cool. He also does, like, Simpsons clay things that are extremely violent. Like, he did mm. um, the scene from, uh, Jesus Christ, um, that one Tarantino movie with all the gangsters in it. Reservoir Dogs? Yes, that one. The scene where they rob the bank and everything kind of goes wrong. Mm-hmm. So he recreated that, but using Simpsons characters. <laughs> and it's, like, kind of cool. and But it's extremely violent the same time so nonetheless so two different worlds for you because you love simpsons you love horror so yeah it works but yeah there's definitely a different william castle film that i like more than what we're going to talk about today not to stir away the listeners not to stir away the listeners doesn't mean i don't enjoy parts of it it's just house on the haunted hill i think is the better of the two Mm, well maybe next year maybe next year you do it first i don't know we'll see i don't know well with that being said Another thing is I told Brian, uh, I was like, I don't know if he, if I told you this or if we were on the same wavelength, but Brian and I both do a lot of horror related things. And Vincent Price is known for that, but he did a lot of other non-horror things. And so you chose the Dr. Goldfoot and I stuck with the same thing. And I chose another non-horror and I did a movie that's called Masters of the World, which was based on a Jules Verne book, which is basically Vincent Price as a captain that flies a boat in the sky and he wants to take over the world. R Meiji. <laughs> right. And it has a younger, <laughs> Oh, you roasted me on this last time. What is his name? I'm going to say it wrong or I'm going to say it. Charles Bros. Bronson. Bronson. Yeah. See every time I'm like Pierce Brosnan in it. Yes. yes Bro- see, see, I'm not the only one that fucks up people's names. Well, at least I don't add hard in front of someone's last name. <laughs> well, maybe he's like a really hard man. Maybe that was his middle name. He never knew. <laughs> Well, maybe. Maybe that's why he wants to take over the world with his hard self. That's right. Well, he was a gangster before gangster was a thing. That's right. One of the OGs. Hard but, on these streets. Or in these castles. Or in this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, is, man, we just we had a lot of fun doing it. And I was like, Brian, this is something we need to do every year. There's so many Vincent Price movies out there. There are still several that we haven't seen. And this would be a great way to talk about our favorites and also discover ones that we've never come across before. And with all these streaming platforms, it's really cool to see these movies kind of dip in and out. And so little did we know next time we talked about Vincent Price, we got to talk to Vincent Price's daughter. Yeah. And that was really cool. This is a terrible story, not a terrible story, but, and it's not about, uh, you know, Victoria. It's, I, today I'm wearing my Vincent Price shirt. Like I bought this shirt a little while ago. I love this shirt. It's very like, it's silly and it's actually really comfortable too at the same time. So I was wearing it, you know, right now with work being what it is, I'm one of the very few people that goes in. So I'm not like dressing up in like work attire. I wore my shirt today. And so I showed one of the people that actually showed up and I'm like, look, you like my Vincent Price shirt? And she was like, Vincent who? Oh. And I was just like, I'm like, get out, out, <laughs> out of my office right now. But I don't know who she is or who he is. Like, okay. is he famous or something? Get out, out. Uh, and so I explained the whole thing. And I talked about the time that we, we talked with, you know, his daughter and how much like, how how honored I was just to be able to speak with her. And it, I know that was like, there was part of me who wanted to hold back a little bit and be like, hey, I don't really want to talk just about Vincent, but 
you're the closest thing that I have to talk about him. <laughs> right. To, but it was, and it happened shortly after my grandfather passed away. And my grandfather and I have such, or we had such a big connection on these types of movies and, and Vincent Price in general. And so it was just cool to be able to talk to her and express that feeling that I got from that and how much it, you know, even though I never got to meet the guy or see the guy in person or anything like that, there's still a lot of meeting in my life for that, for this guy. And uh, it was cool to at least express it to her and for her to have the reaction that she did. Um, and, you know, it's, it's definitely one of the, the top like things that I've ever done. Well, I'm happy to be a part of it, man. We had a lot of fun and we've always bonded over those classic horror movies and that's kind of why we started doing the Vincent Price thing. And I got to tell you, man, if I ever get a chance to get Rico Browning, who is still alive, or his son, then we will have that interview and we will talk to the guy that did all the water work for Creature of the Black Lagoon. He's just, Ooh. he hasn't returned my emails yet. <laughs> <laughs> who the hell is this guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I've talked to other universal people. Come on, help me complete the circle. Maybe you could just sign it as Dr. Goldfoot and then he'll uh, totally respond to you. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> it's like that bastard owes me 50 bucks. Yeah, right? <laughs> Email me back. I'll give you 50 bucks. <laughs> That's right. And my bikini machine. I'll be in a golden bikini. <laughs> oh, oh, please like no. Like Leia, but better. <laughs> but better. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> terrible <laughs> don't picture it <laughs> i'm not trying to <laughs> I'm forcing it. Where, where, where is the block screen button on this damn thing <laughs> you're trying to blur my image <laughs> oh it's so great but no man we had a lot of fun doing that interview and like it was yeah it was an honor for me as well and victoria was so full of life she told us fascinating stories and she literally dedicates her life to keeping vincent price's memory alive and that's kind of in the same vein of what we do at least once a year. And mm-hmm. so after that, and you know, time passed like, Oh, we got to do this thing again. And then guess what? I got sick right when we were yep. supposed to do. It. I remember but, like the, I think the week of. Yeah. Yeah. It was awful. And I was like, of course this would happen in Vincent price month. Like, cause that's how I live every May of my life now. But uh, you be <laughs> you, me and be me like, Hey, we got to get this thing done. And so man, you stuck to your guns and you recorded an awesome segment. And then I recorded a segment and then we blended it together and we were able to still have a Vincent Price episode. And uh, I don't know, man, you know, without getting too deep into it, you want to kind of mention the well, movies you talked about? Again, I, I ended up doing two. And, and the reason why I did two this time, and I'm not like an overachiever or anything like that, please don't take it that way. But it's, I, I did shock and I did the bat. And the reason I did the bat was because I had never seen Shock before, right? And Shock, the audio is so terrible that I'm just like, I can't only do this because it's just, it's not, I don't think it's fair, like, to kind of do that for people, especially the way, because I did, like, a minor version of the way I do Terrible Terror, right? And so I ended up watching The Bat because I wanted to watch something else that I could kind of hear, but I liked some scenes in Shock. Like, they were really well done, especially some of the tension that was going on and convincing the lady that she was insane and that she had actually seen somebody else do the kill and stuff like that. And then the bat, it's just, it's good. It's a little silly to me, but I think that's just like an age thing of the film that, and that it, you know, it really came from a stage play and then that was the movie version of it. Uh, Still really good, still really entertaining, but it is a little cheesy, but 
I enjoyed those both very, very much. And uh, that's another thing that we just love too, is it can be the most campiest, cheesiest movie in the world, but Vincent Price always gives 110%, which is oh, the yeah. reason to watch every single one of them. Oh, and that's even what his daughter said, right? Like he would just, he did them because he wanted to do more movies. Like huh? he, he never said no. That was his whole like demeanor. You coming up with this really random idea. Okay, I'll do it. You know, that's why he did all these weird films and all these really campy films towards the end of his life. But I love what, like, the, his library of work is so diverse that it's fantastic. Including one of your favorites, which is an animated movie. Well, there's also the animated show I really like. That is true, too. And there's also another animated movie, but it's not as good. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, with that being said, the movie that I brought to the table was called War Gods the Deep. And notice I'm always doing one movie to Brian's, too. That's right. I trapped Brian this time and made him only do one movie. And I swear if you have a second movie. <laughs> well, you see, I did no. watch House of <laughs> House on Haunted Hill a little while ago, though, way, way before this, because uh, a, a local theater. theater does, like, they're, for this quarantine thing that's going on, they're showing, like, a uh, basically an image of their theater theatrical screen. So basically they have a camera focused on the screen, and then they put the movie on the screen. And they frame it well so it doesn't look terrible. Right, it still looks pretty good, and that was their first film that they did for this like thing. They did House on Haunted Hill, and I'm like, I haven't seen that in a long time. So I sat back and watched and put it, you know, up on the screen and had my little chat, and it's a lot of fun. We're gonna have to do that at some point. Oh well, we I kind of did, but we need to do like a bigger one where there's more people involved. I think yes, because uh, I did do it for the the movie that we uh, we saw for this episode. <laughs> yeah. Back to War Gods of the Deep. <laughs> War Gods of the Deep. That's right. And talk about campy, silly, and <laughs> awesome. Uh it's basically pulled from an Edgar Allan Poe poem. And so at this point in time in his life, he was doing all kinds of Edgar Allan Poe related things. He did a lot of stuff with Roger Corman and Oh, it was just such awesome schlock, but we're gods of the deep. If you want to know more about it, I'll see if I can get the file out there. It's greatness. I love it. Now is war gods of the deep, a uh, public domain movie. I don't think so. Cause it's extremely hard to find. Really? Yes. And wow. sometimes it's often cited as um, city by the sea and city in the sea. So there's alternate titles depending which one you find. So I actually own the DVD. Originally, oh, wow. I wanted to stream it, and I couldn't find it anywhere. Well, that's good. At least you were able to uh, watch the film. Right, because if you're going to talk about it, you should at least watch it. That's right. Not just go from memory like some people might. Well, some people have a good memory. <laughs> some people do. <laughs> Not me, though. <laughs> I can't even say William Castle's name right. Oh, you got it there. Yeah, but that's because I've already been reprimanded about it. It's <laughs> because you already wrote it down. <laughs> Maybe. (laughs) Well, we should probably get to the reason we're here today. And it's much more specific this time because we joined forces to talk about one film. And that is the horror classic from 1959, The Tingler. It's a story of a scientist who discovers a parasite in human beings called a tingler, which feeds on fear. The creature earned its name by making the spine of its host tingle when the host is frightened. And that's what Wikipedia tells you 
in just a quick synopsis. And I have to say, yeah, that's kind of right. That's that's the overall it's, idea. Yeah, it's it's basically it. You know, it's a weird movie, to be honest with you. And it really, I use this stupid phrase a lot, but it's true. It's a tale of two movies. Like there are two things that really go on in the one thing in the first half. And then it just seems like it turns into something completely different in the second, all kind of overcased or held together by a tingler, if you will. <laughs> a spine, maybe. Yeah, maybe it's on a spine of something or, you know, you got to oh. scream and. Yeah. Go. <laughs> Before we dive into too much of it, I want to know when the first time you watched it was, or at least your oldest memory of it. So this is one of those movies that I could not remember when I had seen it first. Now the Tingler, the reason that I know so much about it, or that at least my earliest memory of this is actually my dad. And it's weird that you kind of connect, you seem to always bring my family in when we talk about certain things, but Mm -hmm. that's kind of where I connect a lot of these old movies. But this is actually one of his favorite movies as well, because he remembers like going into the theater and seeing it when they did everything and then being with his sister and his sister was scared to, to all hell because of what they did in the theater while the movie was playing. And so he would always tell me about this movie and and he would like to tell us about his old movie experiences. And I have a feeling that that's part of also where I get my love for cinema is that my parents always kind of showed movies around me. I got really attached to movies and here we are now I'm talking about movies all the goddamn time, but it was really, that was my remembrance of like the film. Now I know I've seen it with my grandfather at some point, like it's just one of those films but I didn't remember too much of it. So kind of like going through this was like going through the first time, like once again, like I'm amnesiac and I've just woken up. I have no idea who Vincent Price is and somebody showed me the tingler, you know? So it felt like fresh eyes, but a lot of it, I still knew what was going to happen when, like as I was watching him, like, Oh yeah, I remember that. Oh yeah. I remember that. Oh yeah. I remember that. Oh, I don't quite remember that, you know? So that's that's pretty much it with with the film and just it also reminds me of matinee you know that like i think about that movie when i see these movies and and during the time especially what william castle was doing with a lot of his horror movies and you sound like a big william castle fan almost as much as you are a vincent price fan no no i definitely (laughs) say i'm a way bigger vincent price fan (laughs) i like some of the stuff william castle does like you know it's interesting it doesn't always work. Are you saying you don't have a William Castle shirt? No, no, I don't have a hard on for William Castle, no. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> I do. <laughs> uh, but you know what? It's funny we talk about uh, William Castle and his collaborations with Vincent Price because it it sucks that Vincent Price was not in 13 Ghosts. I would yeah. have loved to have seen him in that because that's a great oh, definitely. Hmm. Well, I, like you, can't remember the first time I watched this movie specifically, except for I've always known of it, and I remember buying it on DVD from a Half Price Books. You know, that's my favorite store, Half Price Books. Of course. And uh, I remember specifically buying the movie, and the guy who checked out the movie, he's like, oh, the Tingler, right on. Like he, he knew the tingler, he knew it was all about. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, Oh, this must be good. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 
it's ironic because you can tell right away that this movie would have been a smash hit in theater. Just some oh, yeah. of the things that are involved in it just it takes you to another time and place, man. And I absolutely loved it. And like you, this is something I hadn't seen in a while, which is why I really wanted to revisit it. But I got to say, after these few rewatches, because I watched it last night and today, just to really try to keep up with um, the pacing of the film, I got to say that for me, it got better with every watch. Well, that's that's good. I didn't get a chance to watch it again because I spent my time on other movies. Uh, but it it definitely, I could see that parts of it could get a lot better. And maybe it's just because there are certain characters I just can't stand in the movie. Um Oh, just because of the way they are. And we'll, we'll yeah, we'll mm-hmm. definitely get to it. But mm-hmm. I, I definitely think that, and we've talked about this before too, where the experience that I think that you would get in the theater with this, especially with all the little gimmicks that Castle did in a lot of the theaters that showed it, it would have been just absolutely amazing to see. And like, I wish that we could have theaters that do this nowadays. Why don't you think people do this anymore? Like it has to be so much easier now. It, but I think that people are worried about getting sued. Something happens. Somebody has something happen to them. Oh, you touched me and you shouldn't have touched me. Because they used to have people in the audience that would grab people, you know, and, and yeah. do all these crazy things with them. This one wasn't so bad because a lot of this, I think, was like fuzzies being rolled down the aisles and stuff like that. Like little things. And I guess we'll talk about it a little more, but it... It just was, I, I don't think, I think they could do it in the way that they do like the Rocky Horror Picture Show, right? If you've ever been to a Rocky Horror Picture Show type thing where you're basically signing up to do this stuff, right? You could say, okay, well, by buying a ticket to this, you're allowing whatever happens. We're not going to do anything bad to you, but we might try to scare you, might try to do something to you. So with that being said, doesn't the same rule apply with a haunted house and you don't have to sign anything. Depends on how uh, intense that haunted house is. There mm-hmm. is a documentary. I think, I think it's called haunt. I think, and it's, I think it's on, I want to say it's on Amazon or Hulu. I know it's the really cover. Good. I just haven't seen it. Okay. Oh, it's, it's excellent. But those people are effing insane. Okay. Like ridiculous. And you have to sign waivers. One guy like waterboards you. And that's part of his like, like haunt. It's it's crazy. It's re- it's a really good documentary, and you just realize that man, these people are insane. One guy, he's moved like three different states because states have gone after him with what he's done. Oh, geez. Yeah, it's crazy. That's like it's nice. worth the watch. So, <laughs> so to your point, yeah, with a standard haunted house, I think it even says on the ticket like you're liable. I mean, when I went to uh, Universal Hollywood, the the thing there, it, there was disclaimers all over the place that saying that. They're not going to touch you, but you will be like startled and scared and everything like that. And uh, it, most of it wasn't that bad, but of course I only got to go through one. You don't think it has anything to do with people staying in the seat? Like turn that tingler thing on again. That felt good. <laughs> I was almost there. <laughs> you, you don't want 17 year old Betty to be sitting in her seat while it, uh, it vibrates. Awkward. <laughs> do it a little more for me. Let's watch it again. <laughs> oh, Bobby, I didn't know you could do those things. It's not me, baby. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were doing them to me. <laughs> oh, he was getting his tingle in the dingle. Is that what you're saying? Tingle in the dingle. Oh, uh, That's where my tingler is. Uh. <sighs> well, 
you kind of mentioned uh, um, some people you don't like in the film. And one thing I will say that's really nice about the movies are not a lot of characters. I mean, we basically have six core characters minus the Tingler and we'll, we can talk about them kind of individually and give our opinions yeah. on them, but we have to start with Vincent Price as Dr. Warren Chapman. What did you think? I thought that was great. I mean, he's probably the best part of the movie, not necessarily because he's Vincent Price, but, you know, and, and there are a couple of little cheesy things that he does, especially towards the end of the movie, you know, but that's just because that's the movie thing that mm-hmm. they're trying to do. But I do think that he, you know, I, I love it when he's an asshole. Like, that's one of my favorite things when Vincent Price is playing like a, a you know, scheming asshole. You want something, he's going to, that's why I like him so much on House on Haunted Hill because you see that type of character come out in him and it's here too. So it makes me really love the role and, and the way that it works. I just wish that I almost wish that the whole monster thing doesn't happen. Cause I feel like that character would have a lot more room to grow rather than just kind of like now we're on a monster hunt, you know? And it's so interesting. You say that because dare I say the tingler is not the only villain in this story. Oh yeah. And half of our characters are assholes. Uh-huh. Yeah, I totally agree. It, including him for, you know, he's not like he starts out kind of altruistic, you, you think, but then you realize that he's a scientist that just will do anything to prove that he's right. Yeah. And and what he does is pretty messed up. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, there's just something about seeing Vincent Price in a lab coat takes you back to days of the fly and things Mm -hmm. like that. You're just, oh, man, mad scientist, mad doctor. Everything's good. But I'm sold. Uh, I'll watch anything Vincent Price is in. And so with him being the star character in this, I'm watching this movie and he just he's a um, he's a scene stealer. (laughs) I mean, yeah way to put it he chews up the screen and we were texting about this the other day i even took a picture and i'm just like he looks so menacing uh, when he's talking (laughs) to his wife in this movie he's such a dick and he can hold a straight face in any situation oh yeah i'm pretty sure that he must have broken down a couple times like just with how ridiculous either how ridiculous something is going or like just laugh at the end of a scene like you can tell that he's it's like he's having fun with it. I, I always talk about that when you can see an actor and you see that they're having fun with the role and he's just absolutely like knocking it out of the park. I think we've talked about this before, but I mean, we don't have movies like this anymore, but can you think of an actor that does this now that stars in movies? Cause he's having fun because I gravitate towards Johnny Depp in a sense. Cause he does such bizarre roles and he, he doesn't care what people think. So I think that if you're going to do it along those lines, you could say Giant Depp. Some people might say Nicolas Cage also kind of does that <laughs> because he doesn't, he lives by the, I don't say no philosophy, right? He mm-hmm. just does anything and everything for every, you know, leaving Las Vegas, there's a season of the witch for every Mandy. There's, you know, uh, what's that drive angry, you know, he has those, but he always seems to, like in certain roles, you can see him have fun. And then other times you see, it's just a paycheck where mm-hmm. I don't know if I ever really kind of noticed that Vincent Price was doing something for a paycheck, maybe one or two movies. I'm not saying nobody ever doesn't do that. Right. But I put them in that roles. Like one of the guys that 
I might say belongs in this echelon and he's no longer with us is Alan Rickman. Like, I don't think I've ever seen him in a role where it doesn't look like he's not having fun. You know, even in the Harry Potter where he's a little more reserved and, you know, back, but he's, it's because the character's hiding something. He still looks like he's having fun, like a lot of fun being that character. And he loves that character. You know, seeing him in Sweeney Todd a couple nights ago, it looks like he's having so much fun being that character, and especially the way. And, and he doesn't have the best singing voice in the world, but it's it's perfect just in the way that he's doing it. You know, and so that that would be my most recent. Too bad he's not with us any longer, but that would be probably my choice of character oh, like actors. List. Oh yeah, yeah. oh so <laughs> good. <know>. He's gushing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, we love Vincent Price, but now I want to bring up a character that I don't love at all, and that's uh, Patricia Cutts, who plays Isabel Stevens Chapman, his wife. And Ugh. I don't remember her bugging me as much when I first saw this movie, but after these two rewatches, she is the worst character in this movie. She's just terrible. Like, when you first meet her, she's out there making out with some dude, and then just walks in the house and just like, oh, you're awake? And she doesn't even, like she's caught and doesn't say anything. Of course, Vincent doesn't say anything either. You know, Warren, like he kind of says something, but he kind of knows what's going on. And it seems like they're both kind of just still using each other, you know, in a way. But I just like how brash and brazen she is and just right out in front. Like, okay. Her sister's like, she's out with the guys without some unsavory types. And then, oh, he was just helping me home, but while I had my tongue down his throat. It's, yeah. it's very distasteful, man. And even know, like seeing the movie and knowing how she is, I still hate seeing her and her actions like that. And you're right. They are totally using each other. We learn in this movie that she inherited money from the death of her father that she may or may not have caused. And Vincent Price basically got his laboratory and all his funding from her and so that's clearly the reason that he's hanging on to everything he is minus the fact that yeah she's outside making out she comes in takes her high heels off so she doesn't get caught and he's lurking in the shadows and this is something that happens throughout the entire movie like if you look this movie up on imdb the and it's 1959 and the sex is on a mild and it's because of the way she acts (laughs) it's on a mild that's that's not even mild that's that's like bland Ooh, she walked around without shoes. No, but the idea in 1959 that things were sexual and they call it mild because she is adulterous throughout the whole movie. It's because she's a hussy. Yeah, and she's showing that cleavage. But what the fuck is up with that haircut? Looks like she had hat hair the whole time. You know, 1959, like hair, poofy. Poofy is a very big word. I'm pretty sure that if anybody looked back into 80s hair, 80, they'd be like, what the hell's up with that haircut? That's true. That's true. You know? but it, literally, her hair was like pasted. And I'm not hating. I do love this movie. But I, you want to talk about being a – her hair was a scene stiller for me. <laughs> like, cover that up. Get, get that out of here. Uh, <laughs> I didn't do that. But, yeah, pretty much. And so I'm glad we agree that she's not yeah. – I mean, it sucks what kind of happens to her in the beginning because he's trying to, like, see the whole thing with the fear. And he's taking the x-rays of her without putting any type of protection on top of her. He's like, I'm going to hide behind the lead shield. (laughs) Okay, now I'm done. I'm coming back behind the lead shield. Then she's back. 
it's just, you know, I felt like a little bad. And then all of a sudden when, you know, later on she tries to kill him, I'm like, okay. Yeah. And she just runs away, never to be yeah. seen again. And that, like, that irritated me too, is as bad as she is, she gets away. Yeah. Well, I think that's where I'm kind of like, like that's where I kind of get torn with the film in general is that I don't know if we needed all of that. Like, I don't know if we needed her. I don't know if we needed her sister, maybe the assistant yep. or, you know, I thought that maybe there would have been something more with the sister and the assistant and the tingler, you know, along those lines. But I just don't, there's, there's nothing redeeming about her. There's nothing like that she brings to the film other than tries to kill Warren. That's, that's it. If they had done something with her at the end, it could have at least been turned full circle. Like maybe the tingler finally got her or something, but the fact that they involve her in and out and create this tension with Vincent price. And then she just leaves. I hated it makes no sense. It really does. It's almost like the 20 minutes of filler. It needed to be longer than an hour. Yeah. We, we need to make sure that we hit that hour and 20 minute mark so that it's considered a movie it's and not a TV theater. special. <laughs> right? Uh, not a Star Wars holiday special. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, there's no stirring and whipping. no whipping. Oh. <laughs> Every year. <laughs> oh, goodness. And, um, you know, we mentioned the assistant and, um, uh, the assistant's name is Dave Morris, so he's already cool because his name is Dave. Uh-huh. And uh, he is basically a young Vincent Price. He is extremely passionate about science. Yeah, it's very interesting. That character, even in Isabel, like uh, not, Lucy, I'm sorry. Him and Lucy are kind of a weird pair for the film, right? Not saying that them together is a weird pair because I think that they actually work. And in the beginning, you really kind of felt like, I thought Lucy right away was like the one with, you know, Vincent Price. Right. Like I thought that maybe there was, cause I was so trying to remember exactly what happened. I thought, well, maybe he's with her and then she's going with some guy and that's why we're going to get the tingler because he's going to figure out what the tingler is. And the tingler goes after her, you know, something along those lines. Did you just say that she goes with another guy and then all of a sudden Vincent Price gets the tingle jingle. Yeah. He gets the tingle tingler. Oh. <laughs> but but you know at least there there would have been motivation for what went on because and spoiler alert we kind of get that which is really weird but it's not like the whole idea was sending out the tingler for example like that kind of happens but it's based upon two other characters that we meet at the beginning of the movie in right. terms of of dave i think he's he's acted well by uh, daryl hickson and he's, you know, there's there's really nothing to write home about, though, other than the scene with the LSD. That's that's really the only scene that, like, him and Lucy are really important, except for when Lucy finds him, you know, getting strangled by the tingler. Right. And I'm glad you mentioned the LSD part, because this was one of the earliest movies to actually feature an LSD scene. So that was some cool knowledge I read on IMDb. But, yeah, I really like. Uh, Dave Morris in this because he is a very likable character. He is Vincent Price's understudy. He dates Vincent Price's wife's sister, if you can remember that. And even though, yeah, their characters are very mediocre, they're both very likable, and Mm -hmm. I wish we had more with them, so I agree. Yeah, get rid of Isabella. Do a little bit more about them. You could have even made her his daughter. 
you know, and maybe he's the one because Isabella doesn't like Dave because Dave is like Warren, right? And he's, he's just like, oh, well, she's not going to get any money because she's so money hungry and money focused, right? That's what they're trying to say. You know, getting married, you don't marry for love. You do this type of thing. But, and with Dave, you know, they could have been like the opposite. Like he didn't want her to end up with someone like him. You know, I just, I'm thinking of like ways they could have written Isabella out of the goddamn movie because she's so terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I I feel like today's standards, uh, they wouldn't make this movie, but if they did, I really feel like what you mentioned would happen. I feel like Lucy would have been his daughter because I think I was even re when I rewatched this for the first time after several years, I had the same thing. I'm like, Oh, okay. That's Vincent Price's love interest. And then I'm like, no, oh, that's Vincent. And I'm like, well, then who is she? Is that his daughter? Are they related? And it took me a while to realize, oh, they're sisters. Okay. And then there was the whole like inheritance thing. And I'm thinking to myself, like, is this going to turn into what happened to baby Jane or what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Going to have people being pushed downstairs, I guess. Such a good movie. I I need to do that. We, we need to do okay, but, um, <laughs> but nonetheless, nonetheless. Uh, but you, right. you digress. Uh, you just adore it. <laughs> to be honest, okay. <laughs> um, what other catchphrases do we have here? Corn trees? Can we say? That? When's that shirt coming out? I don't know. We got to find somebody to make it. Hey Neil, I know you're listening to this episode. Corn trees. I'll buy the shirt for you. Let's do this thing. <laughs> Popcorn trees. I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> but Corn trees. We, we do have to talk about two other characters here, which are the Higgins. And, you know, if you thought the relationship between Vincent Price and his wife in this movie were interesting, this is like a whole new ballgame. Yeah. And the thing is, is that I guess you can kind of, you can kind of make a parallel between the two relationships, right? Between... Uh, you know, the Higgins and the Chapins, Chapins, whatever their last name is, um, in that, you know, they do the same things. Both the husbands do the same things to their wives, right? Except for Martha, she's got a problem. And the problem is she's deaf and mute, so she can't scream, right? And so you, you see that, like he's tired of living with her because he can't handle her anymore. And she's also very controlling of her money and hides it from him constantly. And they're, they control the movie theater that goes below them and that's their income. But you know, it, it's so weird. And I guess maybe that's where you can kind of say, Oh, well that's why Isabella was meant to be there and why she gets away because price, you know, Warren is not a bad enough guy to kill his wife. Right or no, do he anything just so with a blank. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, he almost kills her. Like he should have killed her. When that scene happened, I thought he did kill her. I oh, was I just thought like, so I, right away too. I was like savage. <laughs> I was like, this is great. <laughs> but I got mad. Yeah, <laughs> I got mad though because when she's on the table and he's taking the X-rays, I saw her breathing, and that bugs me. That's something I've been doing now. Is I don't know why I started noticing to see how good people hold their breath when they're supposed to be dead. But she was breathing freely. But then as soon as it was like, oh, she's awake. And he's like, you're not dead. I was like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, of course. You're not dead. That was just blanks. Right. I just had to right. use you to frighten you so that I would take picture of the tingler. Yeah. I mean, he does, you know, he does scare the crap out of her to prove the existence that the tingler exists. 
And you, you, and he does to himself though, what, and, and this is a question I guess I have for you, whether you believe this or not, do you believe that Warren actually gave her medication or gave her the acid? In this scene with the syringe? Yes. And we're talking about Martha? Talking about Martha. I have the same question for you because of the ending scene of this movie. Exactly. Like, I okay. thought one thing, and now, like, as I think about it, is it is that the way that it is? Like, it's weird. So, and what Brian and I are talking about first is my favorite scene in the whole movie. Oh. And it was the number one thing I remember. Hands down. Then that was the same it, thing. It's funny because as that started, that was me too. I was like, I know, right? This is what I remember, mm-hmm. you know, because it is, it's so well done. That whole sequence is so fucking cool. And I wish there was more like that. It, the parallel I'll use is something I hear in the Fright Club podcast. Whenever they talk about the movie, The Ring, they gush over the videotape and the imagery. And that's what we get here is whenever there's an LSD trip scene, it's just combined of terrifying images. And I'm like you, I'm like, where's all that? Like that was good. And not to mention the idea that they combine like black and white and technicolor for a scene. Oh yeah. Love it. I was, that was what I was shocked. I'm like, Oh my God, this is the only red that we're going to see for the entire movie. And, And the funny thing is, is that, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but Vincent Price, he pumps himself full of LSD too. Like, and he finds out from Dave beforehand, right? That, mm-hmm. oh, here's this, did you give me the stuff? Well, what do you plan to do? Oh, I'm not really going to do much, but you guys enjoy your night because <laughs> I'm going to go have a fucking trip. Go but away. we really don't see what he experiences. Instead, we see him experience it, right? Like, right. if that makes sense. Like, you don't hear we get to be Martha in that scene, which, and again, it's fucking, it's great. I love that scene, but we still get to be in, in the same room as price is going down that same nightmare path, you know, with all the stuff. And it's not seeing the imagery. The creepy thing is him kind of describing it because he's all recording it on a tape recorder. And that's, it's a different experience, but it's still really cool. It is very cool, uh, mostly because it's Vincent Price being that stage actor. He's able to make us believe it. And I don't know if you got the vibes I got, but the scene whenever he sees the skeleton, it was immediate House on Haunted Hill vibes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which oh, yeah. came out before this, right? A year or so before? It, I thought it was a year or so after. No, House on Haunted Hill came before this, didn't it? I'm thinking the other way. You want to fact check it? I, I let me fact check it. You fact check right it and now. I'll gush over Vincent Price. <laughs> but yeah, so what is this fact check brought brought to you by? Sega. No, <laughs> <laughs> this fact check is brought to you by so, the SIP Network. So this is what he did in 1959. Okay, 1959 he did House on Haunted Hill, then Return of the Fly, then The Big Circus, and then The Tingler. And the bat came after the tingler. All five films in the same year. In the same year, and then the House of Usher in 1960. Oh, which is and, and the Fly was 1958. Wow. Yeah, Man. this like run of films. Like I've never seen the Big Circus before. I own it. I just haven't watched it. It's uh, Vincent Price and Peter Lorre's in it. That's why oh, I wow. bought it. Yeah, I'll watch but, anything he's in. Hashtag Casablanca. Look at that giant, that, just that list of films that he did within, 
they're just like they're they're pretty much classics, all of them. Well, that's why we have Vincent Price months every year. That's, that's right. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you you had the great moments in the house on on hill but it really felt like this that that lsd scene was just like it's masterfully acted and again i'm you know gushing because i like the guy but at the same time it's it is a really good because you don't get to see any of the visuals anything that he's going through a a film today would have all the crap you know you would Mm -hmm. see and the only thing that you see is when he stares at that skeleton and he kind of freaks out yeah but it's not freaky to you and I think the fear in the scene is him losing control over everything he's got around him. Maybe he was just preparing for his Dr. Goldfoot days. You know, I'm going to take this LSD Maybe. and all of a sudden I'm going to go dancing on the beach. And Yeah, I'm going to have a bunch of be- weird bikini robots along with me. You would be on LSD if you told somebody that story. You're like, what are you taking? Well, Can I have some? <laughs> you're in San Francisco with... Bikini robots? What? <laughs> Is that Dave in a golden bikini? I don't want to take this no more. Phantom Dave <laughs> in his gold bikini machine. <laughs> uh, they call it Dark Dave. But yeah, Vincent Price sells that scene. And then equally so, we get the scene with Martha that, like you said, we're in her shoes and we see what she's seeing. And it's put together so well because it's a combination of different things that anybody would be afraid of and then it boils down to her deepest and darkest fears which is seeing blood yes because well, we know in the beginning of the movie vincent price he cuts his hand uh kind of on accident trying to help them do something right and then she sees the blood and she just freaks the fuck out and she doesn't like she doesn't want to handshake with anybody you can tell she's kind of like a germaphobe at the same time she's like howie you know. mandel over here yeah exactly and and she's just she freaks out so much so that she passes out, right? When she first sees it. Mm-hmm. And then here, that's that's the same thing. And there's the guy with the hatchet and the weird goblin face. And I, I just, like, if I had seen that in a theater, like, even watching it, I know the year that it is, but I'm like, imagine in a theater and it's dark and these things are just kind of jumping at you or the hatchet comes down really quick and barely, and it's coming in front of your face. So it's like you're Martha at the same time. And even when you see the blood first time in the red, you're the one looking at the blood. And then it's Martha that's looking at the blood. So you have this crazy trip. And again, the question comes, is it a trip? Is it not? Or is this, are we supposed to be experiencing the trip that Vincent Price experienced before that we didn't get to see? And all of a sudden now, Maybe we're actually kind of experiencing as him. Like, is this what he saw too? Did he, maybe he step into her body and then he got to see everything. I don't know. Hmm. Well, you know, we talk about Martha and we talk about what she's afraid of. And and we talk about how cool the scene is because, you know, the water turns to blood. And so the sink is spitting. It's a black and white movie. We're getting red blood out of the faucet and she's terrified and she takes a few steps and all of a sudden, if that wasn't enough, the bathtub is full of, oh, yeah, Kool-Aid, right? And then we see a hand reach out and reach for her, and it's just covered in blood. And so we mentioned earlier, you know, what she does. And I just want to make sure the listeners understand the tingler is the idea that it's something that everybody has. Every human has the tingler attached to their lower end of the spine. And as you start to get frightened, it, like, climbs up your spine and grabs you. Okay, that just sounds terrifying explaining it. And it it squeezes your spine so much that you kind of 
contort and bend in certain ways. And the only way to save yourself is to scream for dear life, which will cause the tingler to release and go back down your spine. And now you have to like, you know, suspend your disbelief, you know, the idea that we have these giant earthworms in our backs, but (laughs) why have the coroners never said anything and nobody's ever found this, but you get past that idea. It's quite terrifying that the idea that this thing is hiding in you, it's a living organism. And like you mentioned, she's deaf deaf and mute. And so she can't scream. So she's forced to just get crippled, right? By this tingler. And I mean, it's absolutely terrifying. Almost as much as, her husband, who doesn't really seem to give a damn, does he? No, no. You know, saying she she's trying to call out for Batman the entire time, you know, or maybe even call out for Clark Kent. Who knows? You know, you know what Martha's do. There but, it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, her husband is just like, oh, when he goes and, like, he treats her again for the second time, right? Treat her in the beginning, and then he's like, I'm going to go out for a beer. And then the second time is like, well, you think there's enough time for me to have like one, maybe two beers while she's doing I'm like, dude, you what kind of a dickhead are you that you're gonna go over here and you're gonna just go have a beer while your wife is basically knocked out on meds? Yeah. Like, yeah, he, he just doesn't give a shit. He's just more or less like, okay, and then even then, is he like I'm trying to remember exactly. Is he like a reporter or something like that? Because he runs into him in the beginning when he's in the hospital, right? Or the jail where the guy's being killed because, you know, reasons. Uh, well, but see, that's the, that's the whole the thing guy, about the tingler, right? The tingler took over his body or something. Right. So, And that's how the movie opens up after some extremely loud and obnoxious screaming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is, oh, 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 oh. Oh, it's, I have to turn it down. It's so loud. Um but yeah, when we first meet Ollie is what we call him. Cause his name's Oliver Higgins. He's this fragile little man. That's like Vincent Price. Is like, what the hell are you doing here? You can't be in here without a pass. And he's like, Oh, does this work? And he's kin to the guy who just died. That's and right. I, I, you don't really get the idea. Cause he even mentions I was involved in the executioner thing. And he starts asking questions about how the electric chair works. And right now we don't understand why, but as the movie progresses and you notice that he's not a great husband and he admits it, you start to wonder, is he plotting something against his wife that uh, is very controlling? Yes. And it's, it's a character that again, like, I think it's just meant to be to at least show you the other side of what Warren could be like Warren's a dick, but he's not a dick enough to try to kill his wife, you know, or go through with it. And that's where, you know, I don't know if you want to, because I'd like to talk about the the guy, but I don't know if you want to hold off on the whole, how it ends or, or going through that type of thing. But Spoiler uh, alert, we're about to ruin the movie, 1959. I love yeah. it. Well, okay. So what, what I want to say is, is that's because we've asked, I've asked the question a couple of times was, was it really because she gets sick and Warren gives her some medication and says, hey, you know, uh, if she acts up again here, here's a prescription, go get it. And that's when he asks about, oh, well, is it going to be a couple beers and I can go have some beers? And, you know, Warren's like, fine, whatever. Go go have your fucking beer, you asshole. Right. Um, and then the trip starts. And you think that Warren has put LSD into her because right. he's so obsessed with finding the tingler, he knows that this lady is going to be able to give it to her. Because the only way to stop the tingler is to scream, you know? 
And since she can't scream, is it going to be enough so that the tingler is back there and, you know, he, we actually get to get it. And then you find out that everything that you saw in this LSD scene was really her husband being a dick and trying yeah. to kill her. The dude's got spirit Halloween in his treasure chest. Yeah. He went down to that, you know, hollowed out JC Penny and that became a spirit, got all the stuff that he needed to, you know, scare the crap out of her. And he scared the crap out of her enough to kill her enough yeah, it, for Warren to take the tingler out of her spine. When did he become a master hatchet thrower? <laughs> I don't know. It was such a good throw. Well, you know, he's always going down to the beer, to the pub and maybe he's just throwing a lot of darts and they're about the same as throwing axes. So I was going to say, maybe he's throwing axes with Jason Momoa. Yeah. Or Ben. One of the two. Another DC reference. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out Paranormal Pat. He likes DC more than Marvel. Let's keep going. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Just keep moving along. Go, go, go. Um, But yeah, it's it's kind of crazy in that sense because, you know, do you you believe then that that's the reason, like that's what we see? You know, that is it just that the, the dude was just like, okay, I can, I figured this out. The Tingler may or may not be real. But if I scare her enough and it's real, this is a great cover-up. Mm-hmm. Or if I if it doesn't work, then I've just kind of scared her. Or if something bad happens, then I can blame it on the doctor for giving her bad meds. That's kind of like, that's just a thought that runs through my head. Because, you know, he's, he's a dick. Right. Well, they set up the scene so perfect because right after that conversation of give her this medicine. Okay. I'm going to go have a a beer. We know she's upstairs. She's going to sleep. Vincent Price's character and Ollie walk two different ways. Mm -hmm. And then we see the LSD trip scene, right? Quote LSD trip scene. You believe she's hallucinating. And then, like you said, we find out it was the husband and I'm thinking, so immediately after, because Part of you believes that Vincent Price is doing it because he's obsessed with the Tingler, but it's actually Ollie who's doing everything because he wants to basically kill his wife because of the way she treats him. Yeah, and that he just can't live with it. You don't know what it's like and that I have to take care of her all the time, but then she won't let me have any money because she's saving it for whatever reason that she's saving it for. Right. He's not able to be himself as a, I don't want to say like as a man or whatever it is, but... He's yeah. he feels like he's less, and even though he's taking care of her, nineteen fifty nine, he wasn't the man, and it bugged him exactly uh, well, more ways than one. Right, and Brian, <laughs> I gotta say, he needs to eat shit and die because he and his wife own a movie theater that plays oh, films, and they live above it. How cool is that? Oh, just just to have that theater, it's like if you own the Paramount here in Oakland. You know that really awesome Art Deco, and it, it just these fantastic screens and an organ in the corner that plays while you get ready to watch. Fantastic. In fact, probably a movie like this would be playing there right now. Uh, It's just, it's really cool. They have such a great environment and they seem to do pretty well. But I mean, I can understand the fact that like, Hey, we make all this, but I can't really do anything. You know, you're the one that controls everything. uh, And I have no say in, in the financial matters or whatever it is, if that's the case. Like, right, because but she I wouldn't keeps go all that money in a safe and oh, yeah. just watching her, you know he doesn't have the combination. No, and I and I don't even know how he gets into it at the end of the film. Mm. But so this in turn causes our last star to be there, right? So the whole screaming and everything. This is where the movie kind of changes gears. 
into being this weird sci-fi monster movie. Like, I, I guess you could still say horror monster movie because that's where we find out that the Tingler is real. And the Tingler happens to be like, because Ollie calls her back and him back and is like, hey, I think my wife's dead. She died from fright. Oh, really? And that's where you still believe that it could be, you know, Warren because he's still like, well, this is my chance. Like he's mm-hmm. got his like John Lovett's liar face on and everything, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yes, oh, it's they'll never believe me, you know. <laughs> but, but yeah, so they they take them back, and that's where we get. Like I said, we get to see the Tingler finally. And I want to tell you that this is a this minute scene is another favorite of mine, and it didn't dawn on me until watching it again last night. Obviously, the Tingler comes from Martha. Okay. Mm-hmm. The scene, he has Ollie sitting in the chair, and we get to see Vincent Price working behind a curtain, and so it's all shadow work, and you can tell how it's being done, but mm-hmm. Vincent Price does it so masterfully where his left hand's kind of pushing down so it doesn't lift the earthworm up, but his right hand is slowly peeling it as if he's unraveling it from her spine, and then when he pits it up, you can see the drops of blood. Like, yeah. it's it's awesome looking. Yeah, and then he calls Ollie to come over there and he's basically like here it is and all he's like shit it's real <laughs> that's great and then it grabs him by the arm which i like the way the effect was done on that too like so you got to take this with a grain of salt because this tingler doesn't look very good i mean like for the day like for the day i think it would have been fine for now it's very silly it's like when you watch Dracula, you know, with Bell Lugosi, and you see the bats, and you can see the string going by. Back in the day, scary as fuck. But now, HD everything, it just looks like a rubber creature. However, um, with it being HD now, they did digitally remove the strings. Mm. And so now it, it kind of looks stop motion-y. <laughs> but <laughs> it still works. I'm a piece of shit CGI anytime. Oh yeah, I would take practical effects over most things nowadays. And but him holding the thing on his arm, like it that that scene looks pretty good. Even if it looks a little fake, looks pretty good. It's definitely for the time. Yeah, and it's Vincent Price's scream that allows it to let go of his arm and mm-hmm. the tingler to fall on the ground. And he tells Ollie to get this little cage to put the tingler in, and Ollie like drops it for a second and we don't see it fall and crash or anything like that but that comes into play later when the tingler escapes out of the cage because i'm like oh yeah it was broken mm-hmm. remember ollie drops it yeah and that allows uh you know uh, bitch wife over here isabella to <sighs> like she comes in and she's just like oh my god this is the greatest discovery in the world i can't believe this oh my god you're gonna be so famous like Really, I know you have an ulterior motive. You're not hiding it from everybody. And even Warren realizes that like she's trying to drug him when she gives him the, the other thing of brandy. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, all right, okay, I'll drink it. Don't worry about it. And then he like falls asleep on the phone while he's talking to Ollie, right? Yeah. And then that's when she brings the tingler. That's another good scene. Ah. Uh, it's great. Just there, there is enough tension in that scene. Yeah. It, again, from today's standards, it looks silly, but it's great. 
it's it's well done. You see it crawling over him. You see him like he he knows that he can't stop it. And you know, then who comes and saves the day? Lucy. <laughs> and so yeah he's laying on the couch and the tingler is crawled up to his neck and is choking the life out of him and we could talk about how cheesy it looks but man i put it as creepy as the idea of thinking like a scorpion crawling on your body mm-hmm. or roaches or something that's just like unbearable and vincent price of course is selling it and vincent price is i mean he's knocked out drunk he's he's whatever drugged and so he can't do anything about it and Lucy comes in and she hears him like gurgling. And so at first she kind of dismisses it and she's about to go upstairs, but then she notices like it's still going on. She runs in there, sees the tingler on his throat. She screams in an amazing scream and that causes the tingler to fall off and hit the floor. Oh yeah. He, you know, she kind of looks at him like, Oh, well, he's just snoring. He fell asleep on the couch again. Wait a minute. That's not snoring. He's got the tingle dingle going on. <laughs> Yeah, that that thing, like, again, that, that scene is very good just because of the tension, because you don't know what's going to happen to him. And then, of course, like you said earlier, Isabella gets away with it. She does. And they immediately cut on this and go to, like, the next scene. And it's basically like Vincent Price and Dave, we're just, <laughs> he's not Warren, he's Vincent Price. They're trying different ways to kill the Tingler. And they're like, he has, like, a blowtorch. He's like, well, it can't be killed by fire and they talk about all these methods they've tried briefly and so lucy comes in and explains that isabel's gone he's like oh yeah what else is new <laughs> you know he's so dismissive like uh, what guy is it this time she's like no like she took her clothes and her stuff like she's gone and i remember i immediately was like does that mean the money's gone like oh no what's vincent price gonna do you know what is lucy gonna do because Lucy's owed half of that, but she's not able to get it just yet. And that's part of Warren's demands is like, you're going to give your sister her half. You're a more attractive sister. <laughs> yeah. Well, I bet that bitch spent it all too. No doubt. That's why it doesn't. What do you think a house like this costs? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, you think how that much money? Like, how much money do you think that they had like for $1959? I don't know. I wish we had known a little bit more about her father since it was all inherited from him and clearly she poisoned him. But because know. she knows what to do. She's got the poison right there. And that makes me wonder if her dad was involved in, in something of that nature, a scientist or, you know, know a little bit about poisons or something. Oh, well, you know what? Spoiler alert. Her dad was the tingler. Oh, is that right? <laughs> was he manifested into an earthworm? <laughs> Earthworm Jim? That's what it That's is. Right. Like it's Jim the whole time. Uh, her dad's name's Jim. <laughs> but, you know, as the movie progresses, we're, we're down to the nitty gritty. We got like 20 minutes left in the movie. And they basically box up the Tingler in that broken cage, go back to the apartment above the movie theater, and they're going to put the Tingler back into Martha's body. Because guess what? Even though Martha's dead, she's still laying in the bed. Ollie never turned her in. So we've learned this whole time that he's a terrible husband and he could care less. And he's definitely, he killed her for sure. And he's covering it up. And what happens? The tingler breaks out of the box. And when they notice it, the only thing they could tell is, Oh, look, there is a crack in the floorboard. What's below us. Oh, it's the movie theater. Now, how does he take the body from Warren's place with a giant fucking hole in her back? That, that bothered the hell out of me. Puppet. 
I was just like, hey, everybody, I'm here. Uh, no, I just love my wife. That's why I've got my hand up her back. Uh, <laughs> I just want to say something so bad, but it's a spoiler for another movie, so I'll spare people. But damn. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think it has to do with puppets. Yeah, I don't know. Or death or silence. But, One of the two. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or maybe both. Uh, what a dick, though, man. I mean, God. How's her body not rotting? <laughs> How is she not leaking blood everywhere? For, well, it's 1959. <laughs> oh, so 1959, they had like lightsabers and they were able to cut into her back and cauterize the wound at the same time to get oh, the know, tingler out of there. William Hardcastle, as he's known now, <laughs> was only able to use blood in one scene. And so he used it in the bathroom scene. That's right. Especially with the amount of blood. Oh, it, it's just... The, the the lead up to that, you know, with him bringing the tingler into the house and look, I'm just going to put this back in. What do you mean put it back in? How the hell are you going to put it back in? Okay, I'll, I'll suspend my disbelief. But you're right. Then we get to the theater scene. And right. the theater and- scene, this is, again, I think if you were there in the theater, it would have been awesome. Especially with a lot of people in the theater, there would have been a lot of people doing what you needed to do. But when you're watching it just by yourself at home, yeah, you scare the neighbors. Right. Now, when you say scare the neighbors, do you mean sit next to one of them and put your arm around her and try to kiss her and get rejected? But <laughs> that's okay, I'm going to try again, and then that doesn't work, and so third time's a charm? <laughs> Everybody you know knows the trick is the popcorn in the bucket, okay? Oh. That's the way it's supposed to work. Mm. But she is so into that movie, man. Yeah, she is. She's on the edge of her seat while the, the movie within the movie is going. Like, I wish we had seen 20 minutes of that movie instead of Isabella. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Silent films are great. <laughs> I'll take it. Did, was now, do you know if that was a real silent film or if that one was just done for this movie? It, like, for It a has bit? to be. Um, now, I have seen my fair share of silent films. I have definitely not seen that one. But in the IMDb trivia, it says, like, spoiler, 20 minutes and I'm using that number cause you just said it, but I feel like that's rough estimate um, that it, footage of that movie was actually used. So I believe it was a real movie. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm sure that it was in there. <laughs> so now this scene, it, because they did all the stuff with it. Now we didn't say that this thing was all filmed with percepto in okay. mind. That was the big gimmick that he was using for this. Those were the well, you mentioned it mo- a little while ago, where you talk about the buzzers and the seats like moving around. But that was the whole idea: is to get you know the tingle. It's now loose in the theater, and they've got to turn off the lights because for some reason that's the only way you can trap the tingler is by turning off the lights. So right. that way, Percepto can come into like full effect within the audience. Could you imagine? being just sitting there watching this movie and the screen goes black and you're like, what? And all of a sudden extreme vibration in your chair. Oh, I know. It'd be absolutely crazy. And the fact too, that he also would hire like emergency crew, like medical crew and fainting fake customers in the audience while it was happening. You just imagine that all this stuff going on, then somebody faints into the aisle because it's so scary that just that experience just sounds so cool. Like I just want to be there and do this. On the very first episode I ever recorded with you, when we were talking about that shitty movie I wrote, (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
we we got off topic dramatically and we started talking about old pictures and old movies and we literally talked about this experience oh, yeah. of why don't theaters show these movies and do the gimmicks anymore yeah it would be great and i i really think that it, it's just about liability i think that's all it's come down to and it really sucks if that is the case because there's so many cool things that they could do with a, a lot of these movies nowadays, they could do these cool little gimmicks. But I know also it took a lot to do it. It wasn't like that they just, every theater had this installed. It would be, this is the traveling show. I'm going to be showing the Tingler in your theater for a couple of weeks. And they would set up the theater to do the Tingler stuff, to right. do this and Percepto. There are so many more theaters now than there used to be. Oh, yeah. So... So. I don't know, but hey, maybe a listener of this show thinks it's a great idea and they're going to give us props and they're going to start a Kickstarter and maybe we'll get those theaters. I think we should that somebody should just do it for like a convention. I'm pretty sure that you could set up like a little convention hall and some of the chairs and just try to recreate the whole thing. Or if somebody, you know, you're renting out a movie theater for, you know, your film festival, something like that, maybe do something like that. It's just like when AMC does like Fathom events and stuff, there is a, I think it's called Mondo, if I'm not mistaken, where they'll show old horror movies in theater once in a blue moon. Mm-hmm. And that would be so cool if they could replicate the gimmick of a um, William Castle film. Yeah, that would be great. Especially if they were, well, they could do the tingler. That'd be great. Just imagine sitting in the dark and hearing the ladies and gentlemen, please do not panic, but scream, <laughs> scream for your lives. The tingler oh, so is good. loose in this theater. <laughs> like, how cool would that be? Just to hear uh, those lines being said, and then your seat just, bzz, bzz, and the little fuzzballs <laughs> like run down the thing and hit your legs, you know, as it's going by, and, and oh, just it, it's just a different experience, man. You guys can't see what I see, but Brian literally closes his eyes and looks like a schoolgirl when he talks about it. He's so yeah. into it. It's I'm awesome. just giddy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to this <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> two little school for <laughs> <laughs> two little school girls two little cup. girls for school are we <laughs> after the tingler gets loose in the theater and we get to we, we get to experience the fright it makes its way up to the projection room where <laughs> we we see the screen, like the reel stops playing and it goes white. And then you see the silhouette of the tingler crawl across the screen. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It looks like the, the devil. <laughs> yeah. It's just really, he's starting to play some Slayer up there and he's just throwing the horns. That's all that's really going on in the projecting booth. But even then, it attacks the guy that's up there too. Yes. And, wouldn't they scream, like start getting attacked? And wouldn't you start, or I guess the tingler kind of goes for the neck. So it pinches off your vocal cords and you can't oh, scream anymore. Cause shit. it did it to Vincent Price too, right? right. That's where it was he choking him scream. from. Yeah. He gurgled. Yeah. So they do get the tingler back though. They do. The projection guy, he's able to let out a scream and Vincent Price is like, I guess he did it just in time. That's right. And so they get it. It looks like, uh, Oliver, is going to pay for his crimes. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Vincent Price spends, what, eight seconds putting the tingler back into Martha? (laughs) (laughs) Shoving it in there and woo! Yep. No blood, no nothing. I don't think he's wearing gloves. He doesn't sew her up. No. He's got the best medical bag in the world, by the way. 
he does. He's a, one of the best doctors in the world that's not a fucking doctor. He's just a scientist. He wears no gloves, no mask. No. It wouldn't work nowadays. No, no. But he, Oliver doesn't get his comeuppance from, like, the law. He pretty much gets it from the tingler, right? This is the scene that blew my mind that I did not understand because Vincent Price is like, okay, I put the tingler back into your wife. Giggity. And <laughs> sorry, it's too funny. But he's like, okay, time to go to the police. And Ollie's like, yeah, no, you go to the police by yourself. I'm not going. And he pulls a gun out on Vincent Price, which is like <laughs> turn full circle because Vincent Price pulled a gun on his wife. That's right. And so Vincent Price is like, okay. And he just puts on his fedora and he leaves. Well, and, doesn't he say that, well, I'm going to go to the police. Right. Like, basically. Right. But here, this is where I get confused because what happens, Vincent Price leaves and Martha sits up. Yeah. And that's where I think, like, that's the Tingler taking over, right? Like, yeah. it's grown enough to where now it controls the whole body. So that makes you think, too. Was Martha always the tingler? I mean, there's like some invasion of the body snatcher stuff going on because earlier in the film, she remember she sits up for like three seconds and lays down, and yeah. Ollie's like, she's alive. And Vincent Price is like, check takes her, you know, heartbeat or whatever, checks her heartbeat, and no, she's not. But in this scene again, I mean, the tingler has been installed back into Martha's body, right? The and it's known as a parasite. Okay, by definition, a parasite takes over a host. Mm-hmm. And so she sits up and she stares at him with them Bella Lagosa eyes. And uh, oh, I don't know what it is with Ollie, but the way he makes those faces is cringeworthy bro. <laughs> when he's screaming. He's like, <laughs> yeah, but he can't scream. That's the thing that's the is thing. that he's so scared of what he's seeing that yes. he doesn't scream. And that's how we end the movie. And we know that Ollie's going to get it from Martha Tingler, I guess. <laughs> Tingler, yes. One, one of the ways, you know, it's like he just found out that she shares the same name with his mom. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, it's it's a weird, like I said, once the Tingler comes into the movie, it it becomes a different type of movie about them getting it and being focused on the Tingler and everything else that happened before it kind of goes out of the wayside, right? It does. Yeah. It, I think that, like you, you kind of said, and I think, or at least think you agree that you could get rid of Isabel altogether and you could rewrite the dynamic between those three people. This I mean, like doesn't even be in it. True. True. I, I like that he's in it, but this is totally a JJ Abrams movie, you know, where you have like this really cool idea of these people in an underground thing. And then you want to add a monster in and all of a sudden you have, what was that? The cl- second Cloverfield movie. Oh yeah. We're going to tie in this some way, shape or form mm-hmm. where you've got this really great case study of, you know, is he the good guy? Is he the bad guy? You is know, he the John Goodman? <laughs> yeah. Is he the John good guy? Um, <laughs> He's a good guy, doll. <laughs> but you you kind of get then throwing a monster in or an alien in for the hell of it. Like, I think there could have been something along the lines of, if the Tingler, I think, was introduced a lot sooner, more towards the beginning of the movie, and then it was weaved into the story you get introduced to Martha and Oliver right away. If that makes sense, right. To right. lead up to them. And, Oh, we're going to learn a lot about the tingler. Oh, Martha is going to definitely be the host because she can't scream. So that's a good setup. 
But then you have all this bullshit with, you know, Isabel doesn't like Dave and, you know, she doesn't really want to be married to you and she's a cheating whore and she's all this. And it's like, why? Why Why do we need this? Like, I feel like there needs to be something more that just, like, gives more danger to the film. Well, the tinglers, I, like, released and stuff like that. It was that. fodder left over from the 40s because back when they did those, it was always about the lustrous and adulterous wife, you know, from the forties and that time period and stuff. So I think it was just a, an easy, right. Um, and I won't take any credit away from Rob who uh, wrote this movie. Cause he did all those other uh, William Castle movies that you love, including house on haunted hill. And so <laughs> I love it and I love talking about it. And yeah, it's a combination of two different stories, but for me as campy as it is, it works. Oh no, it's still, I still enjoyed it very, very much. And it, you can see it just by the performances in the movie. I know that it got mixed reviews when it first came out. A lot of people were saying basically because of uh, Percepto, you know, that's like, oh, that gimmick, when that gimmick goes away, it's not going to be a very good film after that. But we don't have that gimmick. Right? And it's entertaining still to watch. Is that scene a little gimmicky? Yeah. Especially when he's... Oh, guys, need me to scream, and there's the fake screams coming from the movie. Now, I wonder if that was added in. Do you know if that was added into the release of it, or was that built into the actual theatrical release with the screams? I would have assumed it was built in. So, because I wonder if they actually would like put it on there, so to give you kind of the experience, even though you wouldn't be screaming, right? You know. Well, I, I was terrified. But that's because I put myself on a vibrate and I sat on it, you know, so I had the tingle dingle too. <laughs> you just borrowed one of those eggs and then just hit the button every time it went. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I made references on here about people who liked this movie so much they watched it twice. And I did openly say I watched it twice. <laughs> tingle. <laughs> but, uh, man, I... <sighs> I had so much fun talking about this movie and this is a format that I think I really like uh, all the Vincent Price episodes have been fun, but we just sat here and gushed about everything Vincent Price and this movie in a fashion that was really easy to do. And uh, I don't know, man, I think next year we're going to do something just like this. Yeah, probably just gonna have to um, fig- figure out what uh, film that we're going to do. Well, the tingler part two, oh. <laughs> where it's actually Tingle boogaloo. <laughs> the tingle boogaloo. <laughs> it's where the bodies actually walk around. Ooh. Oh God! <laughs> um, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Maybe we'll let people vote. You know, maybe this time next year we'll we'll put a poll out and see what people if they like this episode and they yeah. want to hear us talk about another price movie. Maybe we'll put it to them. Well, and what I would say to most people too is that if you haven't seen this movie and you want to see it, it is up on the Terrible Terror Facebook page. You can watch it in its entirety. It. It's not going to get taken down because it is a, you know, public domain film. So they haven't said anything to me unlike other shit, but (laughs) uh, it's up there. So if you're really interested in actually seeing it, I say it's worth a watch. I had to put a little intro in front of it so you can kind of like skip through me and you'll see my little comments, but you can turn them off uh, while it's up there. But it's still a fun. If you haven't seen it in a long time and you just want to kind of relive it, go check out The Tingler. I know that our friends at the Cadavercast covered this movie uh, many years ago. And the reason I bring it up is one shout out to Jeff and Al, but also this is a great movie to share with 
somebody that maybe you're trying to get them into horror at a young age, it's a fun monster movie without like gore. Like there's blood, but you don't see people bleed. You just see tubs of blood. And so it's really cool because you can kind of judge your audience and Hey, you may have a horror fan. Oh, I think any of these films from the the fifties until the beginning of the sixties, I think they're great films to show to anybody. If you want to like get a gauge, on what maybe the the kid is going to like and maybe be like, you know, when it comes to horror, they could be awesome kids regardless. They just might not like horror movies, but this would be a way to kind of like slowly inch them into the genre. If they seem like they're interested in it and well, something like house on Haunted Hill, right? There is a remake of that, which eh, it's okay. It's not the best, but if you show them the original first and they're interested, especially if they're old enough, you could lead them into, well, remember what we saw? Well, this is what it's kind of like more updated and more when they tried to scare people more for that type of things. Like you could do those things, I think, but it's always, I mean, it's, it's my start, right? Universal yeah. films were, <laughs> those are my start into the world of horror, watching old twilight episodes, watching the, what was that one? Fuck. Um, uh, I can't, they made a movie off of it too. That was a trilogy um, of trilogy movies. Of no, not, not trilogy of terror. Um, and feel free to cut out anything that I'm thinking of, right? The dark zone or not dark zone, the dark side, tales from the dark side, tales from the dark side. Yep. God damn it. I finally remembered it. Yeah. Tales from the dark side. That was also, those were really cool to watch when I was a kid. Cause it's not quite horror. I mean, it is, but it's not like what horrors become, you know? I don't think I'd want to show anybody like Mandy, you know, if they're like seven or eight years old. No, <laughs> or I <spend laughs> your grave for that matter. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, or aliens. Right. That didn't hey, ruin hey, me for a while. <laughs> now, I hesitate to to remember this. Did you do Tales from the Dark Side the movie? No, I haven't done that, like any of those. I had actually thought about doing Tales from the Crypt, the the film that came out in the seventies. 60s? The Peter Cushing one? Yeah. yeah thought about doing that one. I also thought doing uh, Tales from the Hood. Uh, that was a movie that I was thinking about doing. That totally fits your show. Oh, I know. Oh, it's <laughs> it's probably going to come up at some point. But uh, there's a movie that we talked about, I've already kind of thought about. I've been thinking about movies for a while and what to do. And there's one that we talked about recently, I think is going to be the anniversary movie. Oh, well, I think that's a great segue to kind of talk about your show because, I mean, if people are hearing this podcast, half of it's probably because they already subscribed to you. Other half, maybe because they followed me from other platforms and now they subscribe to you. But uh, you recently, you know, you mentioned you just did a few of the video game movies, which were a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm sure you got a lot of great feedback because there's so much nostalgia involved with those 90 Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter games and movies. But, uh, you know, where's the terrible terror going from here? And... Just tell us about it. So, you know, I'm going to go back to regular horror for a little bit. Uh, like I said before, if you guys have been listening to both, uh, I took a little bit of a break just because I, I I figured as I was doing the podcast, like I can only t- take so much horror talking about things. And every once in a while, I want to talk about something a little different. So the format's kind of changed, you know, just like with you, uh, except for I don't change as much as you do <laughs> with does. your formats. <laughs> But I just kind of look at, try to keep it somewhat in horror or specialized. It's going to be a theme month, so we do a theme. So you actually got me started on the kick of doing video game movies again, uh, because you mentioned, I believe you mentioned Street Fighter. 
And that led into me doing Mortal Kombat and led me into doing Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Um, and the last two, you know, I was happy enough to have Paranormal Pat on one episode and then the Back in Time guys on the Mortal Kombat Annihilation episode. Uh, but I'm going back to just regular horror. I'm looking at Blood Quantum, which was recently released on Shudder. Uh, it's a 2020 movie, so you can't say I'm just staying back in the past. Here I am looking at something that was released less than a month ago uh, directly on their platform. So, But I'm going to try to figure out how to weave some, stick to a little more horror. Uh, I might, I don't know if I'm going to do it. I did talk to Pat about it because I'm like, maybe it fits you better than it fits me, which is that Midnight Man movie that I watched the other night that's on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought about doing things like that, but, you know, I'm just same old, same old. You know, I'm going to have guests. We're going to be doing our uh, Rob Zombie Ween. Um, we got to start recording those soon at some point. I know we always say this, and I always say it, but it's my ass that's not scheduling the time to do the recording. Um, but It's also your ass that's going to be doing all the editing. <laughs> true enough. Uh, but, yeah, so we're, you know, you and I are going to be doing that, and that's going to be all directly in the podcast feed when it comes October. Um, and it'd be great if I can get that done before October so that I can relax maybe for a month. Me a little hard work now gives me a month off from podcasting, except for all the other stupid shit that I do. Especially because you always put yourself in a corner with these 31 challenges. Yep. That way I can focus on that instead Mm -hmm. of just doing podcasts. Yeah. That's where I was like watching during my lunch breaks. I was like watching half the movie uh, and then finishing it. Especially when I did the Godzilla ones. Oh, Jesus Christ. That was a lot of fucking kaiju. Um, But yeah, it's just, um, if you guys never... You know, you're on the feed because of Dave, which I appreciate. Um, I still think, you know, check out the show. Check out the episodes with Dave. Find out where corn trees came from. That's Freddy versus Jason with Dave. And that's one of my favorite episodes uh, that I've done. There's a lot, like, I always have fun with guests, but it's primarily just me. So if you hate me, eh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like Brian, I'm not sure. If you don't like Brian, just subscribe to the feed, listen to Dave, and who cares? <laughs> Well, if that's the case, you're in luck because now I'm putting out two episodes a month instead of just one. I'm here smiling at the camera with a big two up here and realizing this ain't going to be on fucking video. <laughs> no. no. And you also look like uh, the guy from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there's really no point to um, plug the podcast in a form of finding it on you know other platforms because – they couldn't listen to this episode if they haven't already done that. That's true. So, but they can always rate and review they on can. these platforms. I haven't heard back from many folks. I've had a couple of people, you know, talk about the show and I love it. But uh, I would love if more people gravitate over there. And, you know, you you can't, unfortunately, rate both shows. Um, but take it as a whole. Or if you love just Brian's show, give them props, man. I mean, that's a podcast. Dude, I've, we've been talking for like the better part of three years, maybe four. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, forever and a day ago. Just- but um, ever since I got hooked on your show, it's one that I never miss. Uh, the episodes get long and sometimes. I have to uh, fit them in, but outside of, of that, I mean, that's, I love the show, man. And I'm really happy to be a part of the show. I'm happy to be a part of the SIP network. And I know we're going to do this thing until podcasting is just not a thing anymore, or maybe until the tingler shuts down our vocal cords. Or maybe one of us goes broke or something. One of those things. Well, you know, if we do, then we'll just marry some cheating horror and just take half of that money. Ah, uh, damn it. I can't do that anymore. I'm already married. And she's not a cheating whore. <laughs> Let's make that very clear. I'm not even going to ask you if you fire blanks. 
but uh, yeah, man, this is this has been a great episode. It's always great to have you on here, and uh, I look forward to uh, Rob Zombie Month. Oh yeah, looking forward to that, and maybe maybe something before then. We'll see. Yeah, that's a teaser for now. All right. Well, thanks, Dave. it the tingler i want to thank you guys for checking out the episode you know downloading it and i hope you go on there and rate and review and i hope you subscribe to terrible terror because brian and i have a lot of fun putting together these episodes and one of our greatest thrills is just kind of listener interaction and uh i want to give a shout out to my other podcasters out there Uh, if you're a fan of the show and you podcast go you if you ever want me to check out your podcast tell me about it i'm happy to check it out now specifically let's talk sipnet what is SIPnet? That's the podcast network I'm a part of. We're the slightly irregular podcast. And it is awesome. We have a combination of so many great guys that do anything from paranormal to bad horror movies to good horror movies, right? Sci-fi. Top five favorite lists. We have some dystopian stuff. We have some really cool retro 80s things in there. We have some Cold War stuff. And we have some really awesome motivational speeches from an angry person. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I'm so happy to be a part of this podcast network. We have so much fun collaborating, and that's pretty much the rest of the year. Everybody from the network is going to join in, and then I'll have a few other special guests. We'll have a couple of reoccurrences, but it's just going to be so much fun. I'm going to be bringing you so much content, pushing two of these out a month now, intertwined with whatever theme Brian has. I may jump on the board with a theme. I may not. I've pretty much already planned all the episodes and planned out the guests, but if it just so happens to work, right on. (laughs) It's like Uncle Rico, right? I'm going to hit you in the face with a steak. I love that movie. But seriously... Thank you guys so much for checking out The Tingler. Go on Tubi, watch it. If you love it, buy the DVD. It's like seven bucks. You can't go wrong. Now, let's talk about the month of June. That's right. The next episode you hear is going to feature Kyle, the host from the Back in Time podcast, and we are going to talk about the Poseidon Adventure. That's right, the original. And uh, yeah, if you guys know Kyle and you subscribe to the Back in Time podcast, awesome. If you don't, hop over there. You want to know what episode? How about the one I was just on? That's right. Soon, after this episode's released, there's going to be an episode where I join Kyle and JD and we talk about the 2000 film Final Destination been quite a while since i've seen it and you know what the rewatch i loved it go check out the episode see if you love it too otherwise stay tuned kyle's coming over and then as i wrap up the month of june we're going to get traumatized because my old partner jen dreadful that's right my trauma sister is going to come join me and we're going to throw down on poultry geist night of the chicken dead thank you guys so much for tuning in i'll see you in two weeks
hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the podcast from another world as much as Dave and I had recording it. I know I had a ton of fun just kind of chatting it up, and I do want to apologize. It seems like I took over a couple of times, but I was just so excited to talk about the Tingler and Vincent Price that uh, I probably let myself go a little bit, but I, I hope you guys really enjoy it, and please give us some feedback. It'd be really great if you enjoyed this style from Dave. Uh, you know, go ahead and leave a review out on all those different platforms and or just hit us up independently. If uh, you want to reach Dave, Dave underscore Phantom on Twitter, the podcast from another world out there on Instagram, as well as, uh, you know, hitting up his YouTube channel. Make sure you go check that out. Dave's Pop Culture Podcast out there on YouTube where they release things sparingly. It still pops out, but uh, there's some pretty good episodes out there that you can listen to or you can watch as well. Uh, don't forget to also follow all the guys on the Slightly Irregular Podcast Network. That's from The Waste, Angry Dad Podcast, Paranormal Pativity, Back in Time Podcast, Fave Five from Fans, uh, Dead Hand Radio, The Podcast from the World, and The Terrible Terror Podcast. That being said, don't forget to check out the next Terrible Terror. That is going to be Blood Quantum. Uh, and then we'll have to see what Dave has out there for us. So, oh, I always forget on the SIP Network, too. Don't forget it. Be like that podcast. That's the podcast that uh, Pat and I do together. If you haven't checked that out, please give it a listen. We did a fun recording of one where we did the 30-day song challenge, but mostly just kind of went through them and said what our choices would have been for those days. So we'd love to hear you guys and hear what you had to say. So... With that being said, I hope everybody stays healthy, stays well, and stays safe. And we'll find you out next time on an episode of either the podcast from another world or the Terrible Terrible Podcast. Chat with you guys uh, later, I guess, if I fuck up the ending one more time. Okay, I'm just going to leave this in. Bye, guys!